Wasn't that some awesome worship? Thank you, worship team. When I listened to those words of that song they just sang, I thought of that time that we all long for when millions will gather around the throne of God and sing praise to our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Well, welcome this morning. So glad to have you at Good News Church. My name's Rick. I'm on staff here. And uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome. And we do ask that you fill out a card that's in the pocket on the back of the seat in front of you. If you're watching online, you can also click. There's a little uh, place you can click on and also do that online, and we will get that information. This uh, weekend is a special weekend, a memorial weekend, a time that we memory for we remember, excuse me, all those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. Because of what they have done, we can gather at places like this to worship Christ. And this weekend, while we're all going about those things we do, cookouts, going to the beach, whatever you like to do on Memorial Day weekend, for me, it's always at least one trip to an ice cream place. I love ice cream. It shows, I know. But during this weekend, let's pause multiple times. And remember those that gave of their lives for our freedoms. Also, uh, Discover Good News class is coming up again starting next week during the 9 a.m. service. If you have any questions, you can check it out online, catch one of us on staff after church today, or just show up at 9 a.m. next Sunday morning. And uh, also, uh, at Good News, as most of you know, a certain percentage of our income all goes to church planting around the world. Over 112 church plants worldwide we've been involved in. This week or this month, we're focusing on praying for Brazil. So keep Brazil in your prayers. Also, uh, coming up very soon, summer is here. After this weekend, I think it's officially here, right? So VVS is coming up. In July, uh, it's time to get signed up. You're, you'll find a card that looks something like this laying on your seat. Uh, just follow the instructions on that, and it'll tell you everything you need to know. Also this summer, Mr. Joe, our youth ministry director, is doing something brand new for us. It's exciting. He is going to have a middle school camp just for middle schoolers. And um, you'll see the information up there. Uh, you can follow those prompts as well. Uh, be sure to sign up, early registration, and some sibling discounts, so get that done. That's coming up very, very soon. In addition, uh, Good News is not only a church that pray, we're a church that helps out all that we can. Many of you have heard of Liam Mickley, a very young man who has been stricken with cancer. And a week ago yesterday, uh, Good News hosted a blood drive in honor of uh, Liam. Uh, the church had prayed for a specific number that they would hope God would provide through other people. Well, we not only reached that number, we doubled it. And uh, so we appreciate everyone that gave, everyone that prayed, everyone that helped. Thank you so much. And uh, just in to catch you up with what happened last Saturday, a brief video, and then pastor will come. Thank you. 
Well, good morning. It's awesome to see all of you here this morning. I hope that you do enjoy your Memorial Day. And as we spend some time in prayer, let's thank God for those who have made the sacrifice for our country. And let's pray and thank God for his ultimate sacrifice. Let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you, Father, that at great cost to yourself, you would give your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And thank you, Jesus, that you took upon yourself the responsibility of saving for your glory a people for your own possession. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have now come to help us see our need of Jesus and and see the wonder and glory of Jesus and, and to have supernatural power to live as a follower of Christ should help us. Well, Father, we're amazed by those who would sacrifice of themselves for others. And they all picture, point to the picture of Jesus. We do thank you for brave men and women who serve our country around the world and we ask for their protection, and Lord, for the comfort of the families who have tasted the grief of sacrifice. Lord, help. Lord, we are so grateful to have the privilege to come now and open your word. We ask you, Holy Spirit, help the one who teaches and all those who hear, that in hearing, we might be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we might prove what the will of God is, that which is good and, and perfect and pleasing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if, <clears throat> we've started a series uh, on 1 Peter, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 16, and then we're going to study it together. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And we're walking through this book of 1 Peter, because as we look into this book of 1 Peter, we, we want to be enabled 
to live in this world as light. We want to shine brightly in a dark world, and, and we want to know how to live in a world that is increasingly hostile to our faith. Now, some of us are living our life, and we're trying to live. We're trying to shine our light, and we're wondering, what's the problem? Why isn't my light shining farther? We're so discouraged. Where's the light? We say, ah, oh, I need a new teaching. I need a new program. I need a new study. And we turn the switch. We turn the switch. Or we tinker with our light bulbs. We tinker with things in our life. And we think, oh, if I could just have that. But what's the problem? What's the problem with our light? It's that we're not plugged in to the power we're not plugged into the power source, and so our light isn't shining. But when we're plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is given by Jesus to enable us to walk as Jesus walked. Jesus has given us his spirit to be power for his church. Acts 1, chapter 8, he told his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. So many times when, when I forget about Jesus, when I forget about the power of the Holy Spirit, I live as a spiritual orphan. Now, I'm not but I live as if I'm disconnected from the power source. And I try harder. And what a child of God learns to do, what a child of God learns to do is plug themselves into the power source of the Holy Spirit, to draw power from the Holy Spirit to live as a follower of Christ should. So what I want us to learn this morning as we walk through this passage verse by verse is I want us to learn that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so that we could walk as Jesus walked. Now look at verse 15. Let me place that point in this passage. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. If we're going to walk as Jesus walked. If we're going to live as followers of Christ should, then we need to ask for the, for the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to plug our lives in. Now, I want to answer three questions for us. Number one, who does Jesus give the Holy Spirit to? Second, I want to answer the question, why does Jesus give us the Holy Spirit? And then third, from this passage, I want us to talk about how do we get into it? How do we get into this life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit? So who does Christ give the Holy Spirit to? And the answer to that question is in verses 10, 11, and 12. As to this salvation... The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. Now, the Bible is one story. 
It begins in Genesis and it runs all the way through to Revelation. It's one story. Your Hebrew Bible, your Old Testament, is divided into three sections. The law, the writings, and the prophets. The law are the, is the first five books of the Hebrew Old Testament, written by Moses, telling the story of where everything came from and how God began through Abraham to work in the midst of a people that he would call to himself who would be a blessing, who would be blessed by God and who would be a blessing to all the nations of the world. And we look at their story in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We call that the law. Second, there's the writings. The writings of the Old Testament include books like Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job. These books give us great wisdom. They also give us our hymn book. As we sing, we have the opportunity to look to the Bible for great hymns and songs called the Psalms. Then there's the prophets. And the prophets tell both the history of Israel from the time of Samuel and the establishment of the kingdom, first with Saul and then with David, but then working through all the history of the kings of Israel. And the prophets also are a group of men who stood up in the midst of Israel and they said, Thus says the Lord. Wow. You mean men spoke? For God? How could that be? How could men, sinful men just like us, how could they speak? And when they spoke, thus says the Lord. Well, Peter gives us the answer. If you turn over to 2 Peter, just a few pages in your Bibles, you'll see this. Know this, first of all that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. How can sinful men speak for the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit who spoke through the prophets. And it's the Holy Spirit who spoke through the prophets about Christ. The one story of the Bible is this, that God saves sinners. The story of the Bible is a story of grace. Verse 10, as to this salvation, the prophets prophesied of the grace that would come to you. They made careful searches and inquiries, verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glories to follow. The one story of the Bible is the gospel, and the gospel is a story of grace, not what we do, to make ourselves acceptable to God, but what God has done in the person of his son to make us acceptable to God. And all the prophecies and all the things of the Old Testament pointed ahead to what Christ would do. 
And now we look back to what Christ has done. What do we look to in Christ? We look to his sufferings. We look to what he has done to save us. Isaiah spoke of the sufferings of Christ to come. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read this. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Do you want someone who can walk with you in the midst of life's sufferings? Who would grieve with you in the midst of your own griefs? Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. The sufferings of Christ are these. He wasn't suffering because of sins that he had committed. He was suffering as our substitute in our place taking upon himself our sin and suffering in our place the wrath of God do us for sin. As our substitute, Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to make us beautiful to God. And so Peter would say it this way, for Christ also died for sins once for all. There's no other acceptable sacrifice. It's Christ. Jesus Christ suffered once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. How can I know that all of my sin, past, present, future, how can I know that I'm truly forgiven? there was a day when a dead man walked out of a grave and he promised that because of his resurrection from the dead any sin committed by anyone could be forgiven and ours is to believe Jesus Christ invites you to Place your trust in him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel. Oh, there's only one gospel. There's only one good news of eternal life offered to sinners through the sacrifice of another in our place. Jesus Christ is that Savior, and he offers you salvation. Our part is to believe. Have you? You put your trust in Christ alone? For salvation as he's offered in the gospel. Who receives the grace of the Holy Spirit? Those who are in Christ. Those who have put their trust in Christ for salvation as he's offered in the gospel. Verses 10 and 11 and 12 of 1 Peter chapter 1. They speak of the work of justification. 
That's a big word. I know. But here's what it means. It means that through Jesus Christ alone, our sins can be forgiven. And we can be declared righteous before God based upon what Christ has done for us. Now what? Now what? Now comes the second great work of our salvation, which is also bound up in Jesus Christ, connected to Jesus Christ. It's the work of sanctification. And it begins in verse 13. And it's that for which the Holy Spirit has been sent. Why has Jesus sent the Holy Spirit? He sent the Holy Spirit so that we could be holy as Jesus is holy. Jesus came to save sinners. He didn't want to leave us. So he sent the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. For your, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now notice. This work of sanctification, this work of the Holy Spirit enabling us to live a holy life. It's a work of grace. You see it right there, verse 13? Completely on the grace. All the Christian life is by grace. We're justified by grace. We're made holy by grace. But if you have received the Holy Spirit in this passage... What I want you to see is that in this passage, you've been given the Holy Spirit to obey Christ, to follow Christ, to become like Christ, to walk as Christ walked. How do you do it? Well, Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Now, some of you have, uh, maybe you've read the King James version of this verse. Verse 13, it says, in the King James, it says, gird up your loins for action. That's more, that's more figurative, right? That's, that's a better picture. What does that mean? Gird up your loins for action. I'm not sure I want that. Well, here's the metaphor. In the culture of Peter's day, the men walked around with long robes. If you were going to do something that required some exertion, some effort... You needed to do something with all this extra fabric. So what would you do? You'd take it, you'd wrap it up, and then you'd tie it down with a belt so that you'd be ready for the action. You'd be ready for the exertion. You know what? We've got minds that God has given us, but you know what we do? We use our minds to think about so many other things. I'm doing it. You're doing it right now. We're thinking about all sorts of other stuff. Grab that thought and wrap it up with the truth of Scripture. How do you do that? Well, the next step, keep sober in spirit. Keep sober in spirit. Now turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians 5, Paul is going to say, that the opposite of being drunk with wine is to be controlled by something else, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 5, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then what? Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. So, what does it mean to be sober? To be sober, according to Ephesians 5.18, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, flip over just a few pages from Ephesians 5 to Colossians 3. And in Colossians 3, verse 16, we're going to see the same action. And it's an action you've done this morning. Singing with your hearts, making melody with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But it's connected to another source. Look at verse 16 of Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. Ephesians 5, full of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3, filled with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God always work together. So if a person is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They fill up with the Word of God. And if a person is filling up with the Word of God, it's not for mere head knowledge alone that they're filling up with the Word of God. They're filling up with the Word of God so that they can experience more of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The two go together. We're not just people of the book, but we are people of the book. And we're not just people of the Spirit, but we are people of the Spirit. We're people of the book and the Spirit working together. Fixing your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's the best thing that you could ever imagine happening for you? Is it to win the lottery? That'd be good. That'd be okay, winning the lottery. Is it to get into your dream college? I'd be okay getting into a great college. Is it a promotion? Or a great year in sales. I'd be for that. But you know what? The greatest thing that could ever happen in my life and will happen one day is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The greatest thing that will ever happen in the history of the world is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Greek word revelation is the word apocalypse. You ever hear anybody talk about the apocalypse? A lot of people have been talking about the apocalypse recently. 
In fact, yesterday I was on Twitter. Something happened. There was an earthquake and a volcano and there was devastation. And they showed a picture and they said on the headline, it's an apocalyptic scene. But it wasn't. Because there's no Jesus. If someone says there's the apocalypse, it's Jesus. It's not only devastation, it's the glory and beauty and wonder of Jesus Christ. The sure and certain hope that can come into our lives is the sure and certain hope of Jesus coming again to establish the final state of things. We sang about it this morning. We'll see him face to face. And we'll have no sin, we'll have no stain, we'll have no sickness. But he'll still bear his scars. And for all eternity, we'll have the opportunity to sing and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. The joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, when you hear the word holy, when you hear the word holiness, what comes to mind? Perfection. I'll buy that. For some of you, it's boring. For some of you, it's, ah, oh, holier than thou. Condemning, judgmental, pharisaical. But if it's going to be perfection, if it's going to be glory, if it's going to be beauty, then the first thing that needs to come to mind when we hear the word holy is Jesus. You shall be holy for I am holy. If you want to know what holiness looks like, look at the life of Jesus. And how can I understand who Jesus is? I can't apart from the Holy Spirit. So I go to the Word of God and I look at the life of Jesus and I ask the Spirit of God to help me see the beauty of the glory of the holiness of Jesus Christ. And then, because God has moved into my life by the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask Him to empower me to live as an obedient child of the King. Verse 14. And that means that there's some things I have to put off. I have to stop being conformed to the old way I used to live when I had no spirit and I had no salvation. And there's some things that I have to add to my life. I have to begin to be holy myself. In all my behavior. I have responsibility, but the power is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to enable me to have the desire and the power, but it's mine to obey. 
Now, when I was a new believer in Jesus Christ, someone gave me this little book, The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges, and I found this book to be so helpful in understanding both my responsibility and God's responsibility in the pursuit of holiness. I would really recommend you pick up a copy. It's a very short book. In it, Bridges brings out the importance of joy in the Christian life. The Christian living in disobedience also lives devoid of joy and hope. But when he begins to understand that Christ has delivered him from the reign of sin, when he begins to see that he is united to him who has all power and authority, and that it is possible to walk in obedience, he begins to have hope. And as he hopes in Christ, he begins to have joy. In the strength of this joy, he begins to overcome the sins that so readily, uh, easily entangle him. He then finds that the joy of a holy walk is infinitely more satisfying than the fleeting pleasures of sin. But to experience this joy, we must make some choices. We must choose to forsake sin, not only because it's defeating to us, but because it grieves the heart of God. Put away the lust. Put on a new way of living plugged in to the power source of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to walk as Jesus walked. Therefore, walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Now, would you rather, would you rather have, as the disciples had, Jesus for a time walking beside you, or would you rather have the work of the Holy Spirit working within you? Jesus already gave us the answer. He said, it's better that I go away because if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. So it's better to have Jesus within us through the power of the Holy Spirit for a season to not have Jesus beside us. We now walk by the Spirit. So I promise you the third question. How, does, how do we get this into us? How do we begin to experience this? Remember I told you earlier, we looked at Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, and I said that the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Word go together. Sue Ellen and I went on vacation earlier this year. We went on a tour of Tarpon Bay, and we got into a kayak. We went away from the dock. From the moment we left the dock to the moment we got back to the dock, we were inseparable. You were inseparable? Man, you must have a really strong marriage. No, we were in the same kayak. One kayak, two people. And it's the same with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. They always work together. Think of it this way. If we're going to walk as the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Think of it as a train. 
If I type in directions to Jacksonville into my phone and I want to go by train, bear with me, I know there's not a train that goes, but okay, they won't tell you to get on I-95. Why not? There's no tracks on I-95. And so if I'm going to walk by the Spirit, if I'm going to be on this locomotive, I'm going to be on the train, on the tracks, the tracks are the Word of God, and I'm going to be powered, drawn along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the engine. The Holy Spirit's the, the, the locomotive that drives the train forward. But it's the tracks is the Word of God. So if I want the Spirit in me, then I want to have the Word of God in me. So how do I do that? Every day, we give you the opportunity to learn a simple method of getting the Word of God into you. And it's three words. Read the Word, pray the Word, share the Word. Each day in your study, you have the opportunity to open God's Word and to, and to pray this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, help me to see where you want me to live as an obedient child. And give me the power the desire and the power to obey you. So I read the word of God each day and I say, God, I'm not reading your word because I am good. I'm reading your word because I'm not good. But if I come to you, you will give me by your Holy Spirit direction and guidance. You're my loving heavenly father and I'm your obedient child. Help me, help me, help me. I read the word. I ask the Holy Spirit to apply that word to my life, and I pray, Father, help me take this step of obedience along the tracks of your word of God. Help me. And then, as a first step of obedience, I share what I've learned with someone else so that they have the opportunity to learn, but I have the opportunity to press it into my heart. I have the opportunity to take a first step of obedience. That's why biblical community is so important. That's why gathering around the scriptures is so important. Because as we read the word and the Holy Spirit helps us apply the word, we take a step in sharing the word with others. A first step of obedience and then a second and then a third and pretty soon we're far down the tracks toward our destination. Oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has given the Holy Spirit so that we would shine as lights in this world, as, so that we would live as obedient children for as many years as he gives us life or until he comes again in glory. Live as obedient children of God, not in your own strength, but in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, you really only have one obedient child, and his name is Jesus. And the rest of us look to him We ask 
that we could receive a status with you on the basis of his obedience and that you would call us your kids, adopted sons and daughters through faith in Christ alone. And the Holy Spirit, you would then move in to help us live as obedient children should. Oh, not to gain your approval. We already have it in Christ. But because we love you, King Jesus, and because we've plugged our lives into the power source of your Holy Spirit and your word. Father, I pray that our minds would be prepared for action. I pray that our hope would be fixed on the glories to be revealed at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'd help us. Speak now as we sing and as we go, all to the praise of your glory and grace.